0: Um, Like my dad said, we'll be reading from Psalm 138. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is on high, he looks up upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O oh Lord, endures forever Do not abandon the works of your hands.
1: All glory to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for the work that you're continuing to do. Thank you for the work that you have done. We praise you. We worship you. Lord, I pray that for me, myself, I surrender to you my body as a living sacrifice, and I pray for for all those in attendance. All those watching, all those who, are, who will be watching, Lord, I pray that there will be a heart that is open, open and surrendered to all that you have for us. Lord, you, you have more. You are, you are always at work, and, and you never stop working. It's amazingly true, and I thank you so much for how you've been showing that to me in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at Psalm 138, and uh, it is a hymn, I believe, it is a hymn of boldness and praise to God. This is a triumphant hymn. It celebrates the boldness that God gives to the one who trusts in him. So today we're going to see how how this psalm encourages boldness in four ways, boldness, to publicly proclaim God's goodness in your life, boldness to believe that God's kingdom is active now, boldness to believe the gospel in the midst of hardship, and boldness to jump. Act in faith and jump. All right, Psalm 138, verses 1 through 3. Publicly proclaim God's goodness in your life. I will praise you, O Lord, with, my, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name. For your, your love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. What's going on in these verses? It seems pretty apparent, right? This is a psalm of David, and and David is proclaiming that he's going to praise the Lord. And he's going to praise the Lord publicly. And he's going to praise the Lord specifically. He's going to praise the Lord for his unfailing love, his faithfulness, his character, and his word. He's going to praise the Lord for answering David's prayer. And he's going to praise the Lord for empowering David with boldness. What else is going on in these verses? Well, something was happening in David's life. It's not necessi- we're not necessarily certain what it was, but I have a hunch that it had to do with battle and warfare. A lot of David's psalms were written in the context of battle and warfare. They mention battle. They mention warfare. And David calls out to the Lord, and the result is that God answers him. So let's look more closely at verse 1. It says... Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will praise the Lord. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Gods. I don't actually think I've been present for any sermon that's dug into that particular word. It's the Hebrew word Elohim, plural. It's often... When it's singular, referring to God Almighty, Yahweh. When it shows up plural like this, it doesn't necessarily mean a true God. I think it's good that this particular translation uses a lowercase g, puts it in quotation marks, but what is King David actually referring to here? The word translated gods, well... It's a word that refers to deity, lowercase g. I did a little research on the question, and I don't want anybody to stumble over this at all, Um, but doing a little research on the question, really most scholars, most biblical scholars, think it could be one of two things. Here's the way one commentary put it. The so-called gods of verse 1 may have been supernatural beings who filled God's heavenly court, Or, the term may refer to pagan powers and rulers. That's from Holman Concise Bible Commentary, just in case you were wondering. In other words, the gods that David mentions, they're either political leaders who were appointed by God, that is, they're kings or governors or judges, or they're spiritual beings, that is, good or evil spirits angels, or demons. My opinion is that either could work here. That said, I personally think that David is saying with my whole heart, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you loudly with song in front of all these spiritual pagan beings that my enemies put their trust in. And can I suggest to you that this is boldness? I've mentioned to you before that it's been said that the highest form of spiritual war- warfare is worship, and I believe that it is true. So why would singing praise before the gods, pagan spiritual beings, why would that be bold? Let me, let me tell you a little bit of my story. <laughs> Well, when God saved me, he saved me from a life of deception and a life of addiction. And so having experienced what I would consider victory for the first time in about a decade, as a 19-year-old kid, I never, ever wanted to fall back into the kind of sin I was in as a teenager. So I took a defensive posture. You know what I'm talking about, right? Defense. The Bible commands... And I think we want to go to the next slide right now. The Bible commands and approves of a defensive posture. It's true. You know what it says? It says in 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Be sober, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone that he can devour. And the enemy is dangerous. The devil wants me dead, and he wants to devour me. And so, all right, I'm going to be cautious. Well, how about this one? Ephesians 6.16. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Okay, God's given me a shield, and shields are used for defense. To take up the shield of faith, devil's going to be shooting fiery fiery arrows at me. Flames of fire being sent my direction. All right? Defense. Or 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee from youthful passions. Other translations say, "Flee youthful lusts." A paraphrase translation says, "Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts." Well, for me, I'm thinking, if having the threat of the devil isn't enough, my own youthful passions can trip me up too. So I need to run. My story was that I had been so tripped up in lustful temptation and by the attacks of the enemy that I became incredibly cautious. I falsely believed that the path to victory was exclusively vigilance and defense. I somehow believed that the only way to overcome the attacks of the enemy was to run. You know what I was missing? I was missing boldness. I was reading the defensive passages correctly, but I was missing out on the offensive ones. 1 Peter 5.8. It does say, my adversary the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone that he can devour. But I was ignoring the very next verse. Not intentionally, but I was. The very next verse, resist him firm in the faith. And while it is true that the devil is described as a roaring lion, I was forgetting Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flees, though no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It takes boldness to resist. Why does it take boldness? Because it's stepping into a fight. Here's some bonus verses for you, just in case you were wondering. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for battle and my fingers for warfare. God trains my hands for battle and my fingers for warfare. Psalm 144.1, Romans 16.20. By the way, the last time I preached a message on this specific verse, Romans 16.20, I got in trouble for it. I was told, you you shouldn't be teaching our teens theology. This was the theology I was teaching, Romans 16.20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. How do we get on this topic? Right. Verse one David says, Before the gods I will sing your praise. And I'm suggesting that the gods here are spiritual forces of evil, not gods. Uppercase G, but lowercase g. Spiritual forces of evil, and I think that a defensive-only posture in spiritual warfare will not incline you towards singing our Heavenly Father's praise before the false gods. Maybe you're cautious, and rightly so, but if you're walking with your Heavenly Father, he will be leading you into all kinds of opportunities for his purposes, and you will. Will be opposed. So, can I encourage you? Claim this verse as your own. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. How? Do it. Do it this way boldly. Vocally, with your voice, proclaim your allegiance to the King of kings and Lord of lords, the everlasting Father before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It reminds me of when Peter confessed to Jesus. He said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, my Father revealed this to you and i also say to you that you are peter and on this rock i will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it it also reminds me of romans 8:37 through 39 in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So how do we get bold with praise? Great question. How about giving God credit out loud when something good happens? Or when you're having a good day and someone asks you, maybe this is at work, maybe it's at school. Oh, it looks like you're having a good day. Why is it? You could answer, I'm just thankful for how good my God is. God's given me a great day. Or maybe how about sharing your story publicly? This is another question or answer to the question, how to be bold with praise. Share your story publicly, maybe at work or maybe with a friend. What might that look like? Well, for me, I'll just tell a little bit of of what's been going on for me over the last year. One of the ways of sharing my story at work took place when a coworker asked me how my 2020 went. How was 2020 for you? And I was able to answer, you know, 2020 was a big year for me. God really wanted to do some healing in my life. And it turned into a better conversation. You know, talking about your faith isn't considered polite. It's not considered politically correct in conversation these days. And that's not really a new development. It wasn't wasn't politically correct back in Daniel's day, back in the Old Testament. Psalm 138, verse 2. It says, I will bow down toward your holy temple and I will praise your name. Do you remember one of the stories of Daniel? The story of Daniel in the lion's den. If you haven't, you should read it. It's a great story. You really ought to check it out. In Daniel 6, Daniel was high up in the political world. The king of Persia, modern-day Iran, he was going to set Daniel as executive over the entire kingdom. And you can imagine that Daniel's political opponents, they weren't too thrilled about that idea, right? So they plotted on how they could remove him, and uh, you know what they landed on? They figured that the only way that they were going to get Daniel to slip up is if they could cause a can- scandal somehow related to his faith. You see, three times a day, Daniel would pray toward Jerusalem giving thanks to his God. So these politicians, you know what they did? They, they got King Darius to make a law saying that anyone who petitions any god or man except the king will be thrown into the lion's den. Well, that didn't stop Daniel. He refused to obey that new law, and he continued to pray to his God. This was boldness. This was risk. The verse we're looking at right here, it says, I will bow down toward your holy temple, and I will praise your name. Daniel took that verse to heart, and it got him in trouble. And if you want to know the rest of the story, go read it in Daniel 6. Yeah. Talking about your faith in public might be the kind of thing that I'd be timid about. I mean, I don't want to be politically incorrect. I don't want to rock the boat. A little bit more about myself, right? Not too long ago, maybe as recently as three years ago, maybe even more recent than that, the word risk would physically affect me. I was afraid of risk. Um, maybe a better way of putting it was that I was intimidated by risk. And God wanted to work on me in that area of my life. And he has been. I mean, I'm kind of preaching on the subject right now. <laughs> um, I wouldn't have touched this topic three years ago, I don't think. What if God is working on you in this area too? The area of boldness. In the area of taking risk. All right, here's some practical advice. Here's how to do it. Choose to exercise your faith in small, risky ways. Here's what I mean take small steps to exercise risk. Like what? Well, how about this? Why don't you risk praying? and asking God to give you opportunities to share your story of faith in Christ. I'll say it again. Pray and ask God to give you opportunities to share your story of faith in Christ. Take the risk to even pray that prayer. Then, risk asking God to help you notice those opportunities as actual opportunities. They're all around us. Risk praying that God would give you opportunities, then risk praying that God would show you those opportunities as actual opportunities. Okay, you ready for the third thing? Risk taking that opportunity to share your story. Share my story? What story? Well, look at verse 2 again. Here we are. Verse 2, I will bow down towards your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and faithfulness. The way that you've experienced the love and faithfulness of God is your story. How has God proven his unfailing love to you? How has God proven his faithfulness to you? When I think on God's faithfulness, I remember Jesus' words that said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I remember Psalm 103, verse 9, that says that God will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. For me, I think of his faithfulness and that it shows up when I realize that he really does forgive me, and he forgives even when it's completely undeserved. And I think about the recent past. I mentioned 2020 before. It was quite possibly one of the best years for me. Most people look at 2020, and they're like, will it ever end? (laughs) They still feel like we're in 2020, (laughs) right? Um... Quite possibly, it was a year of more evident growth to me in my relationship with God. I I had some aha moments with God. Here's one of them. God didn't just save me because he pitied me. He didn't save me because he had to. sorry. Have you ever asked yourself, why does God love me? What kind of answers come to mind? For me, I would have never said this out loud. I would never taught this. I definitely would have never preached it. I would have never admitted that I believed it. But this is what I incorrectly believed. I believed that God loves me because he had to. Because it would be against his nature not to. he is love therefore he loves me he has to love me is that true yes yes it is is that the whole truth absolutely not why isn't that the whole truth Because it leaves the door open to lies. Lies that I was tempted to believe and probably did believe, like, God doesn't want to love me, He has to. And lies like, my relationship with God really depends on me having to perform or be good to really receive His affirmation and approval. Here's the truth. God saved me because he chose me. He chose to create me. He knew me. Galatians 1.15 says, he set me apart as his own before I was born. The verses on God's love in Romans 8, 28 through 30 affirm God's unfailing love for me from before my even acknowledging him. And there are many, other verses in scripture that support this. And if we, wanted, if we wanted to go there, there are a bunch of other verses that, that support it. More on 2020 in my story. I came to realize that God wanted to do more for me than just save me. And I knew that to be true. I believed that to be true. But even though I was walking with God and, and spending time with God, I was. And I was still growing in my relationship with God. That, that That was real. That was genuine. It wasn't like I I, I slipped away from God at all. I didn't. But God wanted to give me more. And I had no idea how much more he wanted to give me. God took me on a journey over the last couple of years, a journey of healing, and without getting into too much detail, I began to see a kind of transformation in my life that I hadn't experienced since that first year after really, truly committing my life to God. That was back in 1998 to 2000, right around there. I experienced the Father's forgiveness even when it was undeserved. I experienced the Father as Father, as Daddy. The idea of of calling God Abba or calling God Daddy. It didn't feel like my relationship with God was personal enough to do that. He is high. He's lifted up. He's so far beyond me, and I am I'm his servant. I experienced hearing God speak and knowing that it was him and hearing words of affirmation and encouragement. It has been beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And I'm so grateful. And you know what I just shared with you? I shared with you some of my story. And you know what it was? It was praising the Lord. He gets all the glory. He gets all the credit. And when you get the chance to share your story, you don't have to cry. (laughs) <laughs> but you can just say, God has God's done such an amazing thing in my life. Can I tell you? Huh, we're only in verse 2. We're going to get through all the verses too. All right. I will bow down toward your holy temple and I will praise your name for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. This is praiseworthy. God is exalted. He is exalted above me and he is exalted above all powers and rulers and authorities and kings and kingdoms. At his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you mind if I meddle a little bit? There's been an awful lot of awful news this week. I think that what's going on in Afghanistan is an unspeakable just, injustice. But consider all the conflict and foreign policy in the context of this next verse. God has exalted above all things his own name and his own word. Here's the meddling Do you tend to look to politics and political intrigue as your escape, as your savior? Do you tend to think if our government could just get its act together or if someone else were president, things wouldn't be so terrible? Do you look at the chaos around the world and do you lose heart? Do you see the terrible injustice in Afghanistan and do you worry? Here's a response. Father God, Yahweh is his name. He is exalted above all things and his word will not be denied. His kingdom is both here and it is advancing. He is the Prince of Peace and he, Jesus is his name. He came to proclaim good news to the poor. He was sent to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Done meddling. Go to verse 3. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and you made me stout-hearted. Would you like to hear a promise from God's word today? Here it is. God answers prayer. Psalm 138 is a hymn of boldness and praise. So what was David calling to the Lord about? Well, I think David was in a battle. At a minimum, there was something troubling David's mind, and in my opinion, he was battling enemies. I think he was battling enemies who thought they had the upper hand. I think he was battling enemies um, who weren't deterred by David's first or second waves of resistance. I think they were enemies that required battle, not just endurance, but offense. Why do I think that? Because of how God answered you made me bold and stout-hearted. Boldness, risk, bold. Webster's Dictionary defines it as fearless before danger. The message, paraphrase, says this verse this way. The moment I called out, you stepped in. You made my life large with strength. And what that statement tells me is that David won the battle. And now it's not, tr- <laughs> it's not trash talk, but it's like trash talk. David's celebrating. God gave me the victory, and I'm going to praise the Lord with all my heart. God gave me the victory, and I'm going to praise the Lord in front of the gods, in front of those who would would dare to oppose him. I will praise him. So verses 1 through 3. Boldness to proclaim God's goodness in your life. Let's look at verses 4 through 5. This is the second one. Boldness to believe that God's kingdom is active now. You know, back in verse 1, I made the argument that David's battle was spiritual warfare. I think verses 4 through 5 support my conclusion. I think these verses show that this battle David went through wasn't just physical but spiritual, and here's why. Back in verse 1, David praises the Lord before the gods, gods who haven't yet submitted to Yahweh. And now David says, May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. I think these are physical kings, governors, rulers on earth. David could have said, This is what he could have said. May all the kings of the earth praise you when you send me to conquer them. Or he could have said, may all the kings of the earth praise you when they hear of my victory. But he didn't. Instead, David wrote, may all the kings of the earth praise you when they hear the words of your mouth. So here's what I think. I think David was experiencing spiritual warfare. It may have manifested itself physically, but it was spiritual, and the gods were involved. The attack came from the enemy, and David called out to his father. David was made bold. He was made stout-hearted, and David won. And now David is seeking the advancement of the kingdom of heaven, but he's not doing it by force. Instead, he's seeking the advancement of the kingdom where the kings and kingdoms are in submission to God Almighty because of the words of Jehovah's mouth. Let me remind you, if you are pursuing Christ, if you are pursuing his purposes, you will be opposed. Therefore, pray. The enemy is real. Attacks are real. Pray for boldness. As you look for opportunities to tell of God's goodness, and as you take those opportunities, you will be opposed. So like David, pray, call on the Lord. He will answer and tell your story. Consider this Psalm. It's funny. I was preparing for this message, and my daily Bible reading took me to this verse, and and it just kept bouncing off the page, kept leaping off the page over and over again. Psalm 119, 45 and 46. I will walk freely in an open place. I think you could substitute the word boldly. I will walk boldly in an open place because I study your precepts, because I study your word. I will speak of your decrees before kings and not be ashamed. Are you ready? Are you ready to step out in faith? well, guess what? It doesn't all depend on you. Isn't that encouraging? Psalm 138, verses 6 through 7. The Lord is on high. He looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. We've considered how the psalm encourages boldness, to publicly proclaim God's goodness in your life, and boldness to believe that God's kingdom is active right now, now we're going to see how this psalm encourages boldness to believe the gospel in the midst of hardship. Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly. My God is on high. First Timothy six fifteen through 16 says he is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal power. Amen. God is on high. He is lifted up. He's so far beyond the rest of creation. When I, a few years ago, felt like God was distant and detached, yes, he's distant. There's no way I can compare to him. How can I relate to God? And yet this is the paradox. He is so far above us, But he is incredibly personal. He sees me and he has made himself known to me. And more than making himself known, the almighty God made himself human. Consider this. The almighty, the one who has no beginning and no end, the one who created the very concept of time and space... The one who spoke anything that is into existence and sustains it all simply by the word of, the power, of his power, he became a baby, totally reliant on his mother for life. I mean, this is why we celebrate Christmas. God became man. But in doing so, God gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. And he didn't stop there. Having become a human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life, and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Amen. Why would God do such a thing? Because of love. God loved so much that Jesus, God who had become human, lived died and came back to life in order that by believing anyone who believes, the Bible says whoever believes might have eternal life. In other words, why? Why would God do such a thing? Yes, because of love, but also in order to rescue us from destruction, to give us life, and more than life, life to the full. Eternal life. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you know what that means? Fullness of life. It means you can be bold. You can take risk. You don't have to be timid. You can have confidence in battle, confidence to battle, because you have a personal relationship. Think of it. A personal face-to-face relationship. Relationship with the creator of the universe. That's mind blowing. And it ought to result in praise. Verse 6 says, Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. This verse, it contrasts the lowly with the proud. It reminds me of James 4 6, where it says, He gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So maybe we shouldn't just stop with James 4, 6. You remember what the next verse is? He gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. God's giving us truth and wisdom here. If we humbly, submissively draw near to God, he will give us grace. Another word for power. I believe grace is another word for power. It's divine enablement. And even more than that, he will draw near to us. So if while submitting to God, we resist the devil, the outcome is that the devil will flee from us. But the alternative is also true. If we take the posture of pride and self-reliance, God will resist us. So here's the application. Take God at his word. He is high and he is exalted and he may seem to be unapproachable, but he has approached you. So believe him, trust in him and call on him because he will answer. Be bold, take the risk. Take the risk to submit to God and resist the devil. The devil's gonna flee. Take the risk to come near to God and notice that God will come near to you. Take the risk to draw near to God, believing that he will give you a heart to love him. Psalm 138.7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. And finally, we get to verse 8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Boldness to publicly proclaim God's goodness in your life. Boldness to believe that God's kingdom is active now. Boldness to believe the gospel in the midst of hardship. Now, boldness to jump. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. I love that sentence. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. It so completely encourages me to trust in the absolute power and sovereignty of God. His purpose for me will be accomplished. Therefore, I can be confident. Therefore, I can be bold. I can take risk. You see, if he is going to fulfill his purpose for me, and I'm keeping in step with him, I can have confidence to fight. I can have confidence to rest. I can have confidence to enjoy and explore the world he has placed me in. Remember that psalm that was jumping out at me this week? I will walk freely in an open place because I study your your word so I can explore the world. And because he will fulfill his purpose for me, I can have confidence to be the man he created me to be. To be my wife's husband, seeking to love her sacrificially as Christ loved the church. To be my kid's dad, leading, not from the fear that I'm going to screw their lives up. Because I could. But don't lead that way. Lead with confidence. Lead with confidence and freedom that they can follow me as I follow Christ. I can have confidence to trust that God wants what's best for me so much more than I want what's best for me. Have you ever thought about that? God wants what's best for you more than you do. Why can't you trust him with that? But I want to maintain control. It's not going to be as good. It's not. You've got plans. Great. Did those plans come from God? His plans for you are so much better than the plans you would make for yourself. I can have confidence to work out my salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in me both to will or desire and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. That's Philippians 2, 12 through 13. So verse 8 continues, your love, O Lord, endures forever. Yes, this is, all of this confidence to be bold, to take risk, is based in the confidence in the goodness and love of God. And then the psalm ends, do not abandon the works of your hands. I got to that verse, it's like this psalm, the whole psalm is like boldness, boldness, boldness. He rescues the lowly. He's given me confidence. He's made me stout-hearted, and then it ends. Don't abandon me. Why does this psalm of confidence and boldness end with don't abandon me? Why does it end with that what seems like uncertainty? (laughs) Oh, how wonderful God's word is. It doesn't pretend that Christians are superhuman. Remember verse 6 said, Though the Lord is on high, the Lord looks upon the lowly. David knows that he hasn't arrived yet. And because David is being bold, because David is exercising confidence, because David is about to exercise faith, and he's taking risk, and because he's, he's engaged in spiritual warfare, therefore he appeals to the Father's promise, you will fulfill your purpose for me like the kid, just before he jumps. Daddy, you're going to catch me. You better catch me because I'm jumping. So the prayer. Father God, I'm going to take a risk this week. I'm going to do it. In the confidence of my relationship with you, I can be bold, right? I can do this, right? Keep your promises, right? It's the whispered prayer just before you jump. It's when the opportunity to share your story shows up at work or at school or in your carpool, and you realize the opportunity's there, and you whisper, Father, I'm going to share my story. Help me as I share my story. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Heavenly Father, you are good and you are great and you have done great things. You are at work in each one of us. You want to do more. Father, let us worship you and praise you for that fact. Lord, will you give us boldness? Will you help us to be bold based on the fact of who you are and what you've done in our lives? Will you help us to be bold based on the fact of what your word has said and act on the truth of your scripture, taking you at your word, taking you at your word because of the experience we have had with you? if you put risk in front of us that you want us to take, will you help us to act in faith because of who you are and what you're doing and because we're walking with you. In Jesus' name, amen.